and welcome to episode five of uh, what I think we're still calling the all-new Right for Your Life podcast. I'm not sure when we stop doing that. Um, I'm joined, as always, by Mike Hurley, my co-host. Hello. How are you doing? I am fantastic, my friend. How are you? I am fantastic too. Happy World Book Day. Oh, and to you. I've brought you a present. What is it? <laughs> a book. Is that a lie? Yes. <laughs> oh, well, good. I've not bought you an either. But if I was a child, I would very much expect one because that's what World Book Day is all about. Um, uh, I mean, I would say, if, I, if someone was to ask me what World Book Day was about, I would say World Book Day is a celebration. It's a celebration of authors, illustrators, books, and most importantly, it's a celebration of reading. In fact, it's the biggest celebration of its kind, designated by UNESCO as a worldwide celebration of books and reading, and marked in over 100 countries all over the world. Is that what you would personally would say? This is the 15th year there's been a World Book Day. And on the 1st of March, I won't go on. But it's World Book Day, which is quite exciting, and it's an extremely positive thing. Um, I have to admit, I've been extremely busy, so it's all kind of passed me by. But I thought, as we were recording this and putting this out actually on World Book Day, it would be remiss of us not to mention it. Yes. And... Congratulations to all of the books. Yeah, well done, books. And uh, you t- just told me something quite uh, quite interesting, because I'm I, we worked it out... And uh, I'm a little bit old for World Book Day because it's been running for 15 years, as I've just stated, and um, uh, which means I kind of missed out on it. I'm 31 now, good age, and so I would have been 16. So I don't think they were. I don't think this is for 16 year olds. But uh, you're a bit younger, Mike, and mm. so tell us, tell us what you did. Fancy dress, I hear. Yeah, um, it still goes on now because I have some friends that are teachers and stuff. But on World Book Day, um, all kids go to primary school. Kids go to school in fancy dress, um, and you get a one pound book token as well to spend in any good book retailer. And you Which could, is could go with cool. whatever you like. Well, that was how it was in my day, anyway. And uh, one year I went as Bart Simpson. And another year I went as Dennis the Menace from the Beano comics. Nice. Yeah. Did one year, uh, did for, for the Bart Simpson costume, did you dye your hair yellow? And for the Dennis the Menace year, did you dye it black? No, I had, for, for the Bart the Simpson year, I had um, a piece of card rolled around my head and cut into triangles with white, uh, yellow crepe paper around the outside. Um, and then the Bart Simpson year, my nan um, knitted me a wig. I mean, it sounds quite like a, an amateur operation you've got going yeah, on. Yeah, it was really. I, I could, I should have, in hindsight, I should have stepped it up um, and and gone for the yellow hair dye. I did wear yellow face paint all day, um, which became very uncomfortable as it was became very greasy. I can imagine. But what a treat, eh? What a treat for you to be able to uh, get oh, a free. It was great. Free book voucher, dressing up, what more could you possibly want? Nothing, nothing more. Indeed. So happy World Book Day to anyone that's celebrating it, especially all you kids out there. Okay, should we go on to... Yeah, I have nothing more to add. No, I just thought I'd leave a dramatic pause. Um, What are we talking about today? We're talking about um, two or three things. So as we're still early days with the podcast, we thought we'd try a few different uh, formats. So instead of one big subject today, we're going to talk about two or three things. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about is, I guess, a little bit of follow-up from a couple of weeks ago when I talked about sacrifice, mm-hmm. and I was 
I basically said that if you ever want to get anything done that's of real substance and if you want to, if you really want to, I don't know, create something, create your masterpiece, whatever that might be, then at some point you have to uh, sacrifice quite a lot and you have to sort of make that, make that decision to uh, put uh, your work, whatever it might be, first. Yep. Um, and it just so happens over the last week or week to two weeks, so I've had an awful lot on um, uh, at work, at home, all kinds of things. Nothing bad, most of it good, in fact, um, but an awful lot of stuff. And uh, and I was thinking about that episode and realizing that what I never said um, in that entire recording that we did was um, that, of course, sometimes your work, no matter how important it is, no matter what sacrifice you might want to make, your actual life is usually the thing that should come first, and um, and uh, and that's been the case with me this last week or so. I've not updated Right for Your Life as much as I normally would the blog that is, um, and um, and that's just fine. That's kind of how it is. I'm not doing any other writing outside of my actual day job, and and that's totally fine. People shouldn't get hung up about it. A lot of people say, and this is definitely a different episode because I could rant for ages on this subject. But a lot of people say that you have to basically spend every waking hour writing if you want to call yourself a writer. You have to write every day. I mean, that's such a common thing. And yes, I know, it's it's totally true. If you don't actually write, then you're not a writer. I get that totally. But if you've got other stuff that you need to do that is more important, that relates to, you know, family or your job or things like that, then of course that comes first. And um, and so, yes, I just wanted to sort of uh, say that and counterbalance what I said two weeks ago, which may have, may have been a little bit harsh. You have to give up everything in your life if you're going to get anything done. That's not quite what I meant. Um, Do we have quite... uh, an Elton John song to fit this topic as well? Or? Um, um, goodness, what would this topic be? No sacrifice. No sacrifice. Circle of life, maybe. Um, can you circle of, circle of life is good. <laughs> um, uh, what other Elton? Rocket Man. I'm not sure that fits. <laughs> Uh, Benny and the Jets, maybe if you've Crocodile got a friend, rock. Benny. Crocodile Rock, if you happen to work in a zoo and your job is, for Being some reason, just flat out and you can't write when you get home, then you could probably call the podcast episode Crocodile Rock. I don't know. I do I do know that we probably shouldn't get into the habit of calling our podcast uh, episodes um, anything. Well, we should, they shouldn't be Elton John titles every time, basically. Not exclusively, anyway. No. no. Um, so that was that. So topic number two, writer as startup. So now this is something that caught my eye. This is an article that was, well, the article that I saw was on, um, uh, fuel your writing, which is a good site for writers. Um, and it's edited by a chap called Christopher Jackson, Chris Jackson. He's a very nice person. Um, I only know him by the internet, but I've kind of based my opinion on that. And I think that it's a good opinion. He seems like a lovely chap. And, um, he uh, he was sort of referring to uh, another post by uh, over on Copy Blogger who've released I don't know they've released some sort of products they're always releasing products of some sort I won't get into that but um, uh, what what Chris has said <laughs> was that thinly bailed enough that sort of um, venom yeah, it sounds like you're not a fan um, that's all I know no it's you know. I'm not. I'm not going to slag off anyone on the internet. Um, and the Copy Blogger is a very successful website, um, but I'm not entirely sure it's about writing, or it has been for a long time. Um, it's an awful lot about 
marketing and um and um here's another product for you to buy but there's nothing really bad in that almost everything i've just said that sounded like it was bitter was probably simply bitterness and jealousy on my part but um but anyway chris has uh, got this post (laughs) (laughs) chris has got this post and um he's referring to this uh, new product launched by copy blogger which is um, I don't know, entrepreneur or something, entreproducer, and the idea is just the theory that every, their strapline here is why every every smart startup is a digital media company. And then Chris, in this post on Fuel, Fuel Your Writing, says that, um, well, I'll just quote him, he says, um, uh, this has got me thinking, uh, when an author begins to think like a business, then you realize the importance of taking the business of writing seriously. Um, you need an audience, you need a market, you need people to care. Um, so, I mean, they are all perfectly valid points. And I know that I've kind of gone on record and saying that I get quite frustrated uh, with um, how much uh, people talk about money when it comes to writing. It's yeah. almost it's almost like it's, um, in some ways, it's it's like it's some kind of uh, indicator of how good a, good a piece of work is or, or um, um, like it's the most important thing. When um, I'm from a school of thought that says that the work is the most important thing, and uh, if it's think, good enough, the money will come. W- hopefully, I mean, not not it's not necessarily the case. I guess what I guess what I mean is that if you get into writing and particularly writing fiction uh, for the money, then you are going to be very disappointed, and um, and it isn't this kind of huge cash cow that a lot of people make out that it is. Can't all be uh, J.K. Rowling, can we? We can't all be J.K. Rowling, and we can't all be um, uh, Amanda Hocking either, which is the self-publishing equivalent. Those cases are such they're such outliers, if that's the right term. Um, that sort of yeah, it's um, that, that's kind of my only beef, really. However, all those things that Chris has just referred to about thinking like a business. Um, if you if you think about your uh, your writing like a business, then you'll take the business thing of writing seriously. That is a very good point, and um, it's impossible to argue with it because I don't know seriousness. It's kind of a strange. It's a strange word, isn't it? Um, seriousness and and whether you take something seriously or not. Because writing is actually a lot of people write for pleasure. They write as a hobby, mm-hmm. and then they kind of think, well, hopefully, you know, maybe one day, you know, something might come of it that ends up making money for me. But um, it doesn't happen for most people. I mean, the amount of people that get published is tiny compared to how many um, um, actually write things. So it's you don't need to th- when when this idea of, of thinking like a business or thinking like a startup, which, which is actually the title of this uh, post on fuel your writing, is that book you are writing. It's a startup, and um, and um, yeah. So that's 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 that kind of idea of it being a startup, uh, of it being a business. That's something that's got me thinking because I kind of thought, yeah, I guess, um, you know, hopefully, if I'm going to be published this year or, or or something like that, then I'm gonna I'm gonna have to start thinking like a bit more like a business. But then I started thinking, that's kind of what I've done anyway. For goodness' sake, I've I set up a website three years ago, and I have Google Analytics installed in in on my website, and I check those things every day. I check my subscribers, which is all linked to Feedburner. I'm already doing things that. Um, I have just by having a blog about writing um, is the first step to thinking like a business 
because it attracts an audience and that's the whole point. Um, but then doing all these other things like, um, you know, analyzing the stats and um, collecting subscribers, those are things that a business would do. So a lot of, a lot of people, um, and uh, like I say, myself included, kind of do those things anyway. Um, and, but, it, but it's just such an integral part of what it means to be a writer now. It's, it's different. You, can't, you, don't, you don't get a, a giant offer from a publisher who then takes over and does everything for you. If you get published, you are expected, and you would be stupid not to, um, um, spend some time putting together a plan uh, uh, for how you're going to market yourself and how you're going to actually get your work out there and, and, and get it sold. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I think of um, in fact, how you're saying, I'm sort of thinking and trying to relate it to a, a, like a technology startup. So you are kind of self-funded to start and you're bootstrapping anything. Um, nobody gives you any money to start with. Um, and everything that you spend has to come from money that's either yours or money that you raise. Um, and then later on, um, if you're lucky enough, um, you might get a publishing contract, which is like venture capital. Because these, you know, these people may be giving you a bit of cash or helping you out in some other area, um, whilst yet still no sales have been done. Um, and then the sales start to come in when the book is published, and then your your VC, your venture capital company, which is your publisher, has to take their cut back before you start seeing anything. And then what that does is builds your reputation to go forward and write something else. Yeah, that's quite a nice analogy. I like it. Pleasure. Um, I think a lot of the investment up front is also time. Mm. So if you're going to, I mean, obviously time to write the book is, is, um, it's going to be a lot of that spent. Um, but it is an investment. I think that's quite a, quite a key word. And it's, it actually goes back to this idea of, of, of sacrifice and having to work extremely hard in order to get a, a completed novel, piece of nonfiction, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. Um, the idea that you're investing quite a lot of yourself, you're investing a lot of yourself, you're investing a lot of your own time and your life into this thing. And if you were to, you know, that is what a startup or a, or a business does. Do, it does. If you don't take something seriously, then, you know, if you don't think about your own work in a, in a serious way, how do you expect others to think about it seriously? If you, if you say, oh, you, I'm a writer and someone says, oh, what have you written? And you go, oh, just sort of two or three poems that I wrote over the course of the last 20 years. Then, you know, you probably don't take your writing seriously enough uh, to think about turning it into something that makes money for you or that it actually becomes your own sort of business. Um, so, you, how, again, it's how, how much time you put in, how much, how much uh, you care about it, how much you take it how seriously you take it will reflect on the results. So it's just, it, it all comes back to hard work. There is no, nothing is, nothing great has ever been created without an awful lot of hard work being put into it. Um, even the things that seem incredibly simple, when people talk about natural flair, if you think about football, for instance, I used to be, uh, I'm not going to talk about myself when I talk about football. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to pick an actual professional footballer. I'm going to pick me. <laughs> I used I used to be uh, good at football. That's what I did up until the age of sixteen. I was I was you know that was what I did. I was a I was a footballer, and the only reason I was any good at it was because that is all I did from the age of about five. Every night after school, I would get out on the 
on the rack and play football, usually with people older than me, which helped. Um, and it's practice. So a professional, a professional footballer or a soccer player for you American listeners, um, or any sportsman, any musician, it looks like it's natural talent. People say, oh, they've got a gift, but that's generally nonsense. Um, just like the idea of the muse is nonsense. When people say, you know, I've talked about this before, but when people say, uh, um, oh, my, my muse isn't with me at the moment, I mean, that's probably you just not actually sat down to do it properly and not, you know, you haven't had an idea. It doesn't mean that there's something, some kind of muse forcing these ideas into your head. Um, but these things come with hard work. They, you know, you get ideas. You you have things that are muse-like because you sit down and think about them. Actually, you doing the work is not something else. Just like you know, people don't have a gift for football. The people that end up playing professional football, they usually end. Up, they usually started kicking a football about when they were about two or three years old. Joined a team when they were five or six, and then played football four or five times a week for the rest of their life, or at least until they retire at about thirty-two. Um, <laughs> Which is unfortunate. Um, I, this is another little bit of tragedy for you. I realised that if I had have actually gone on to pursue a uh, footballing career, you know, professional, semi-professional, whatever it might have been, um, I would now be in uh, a period of my career where I would actually be looking to retirement, and I'm 31 years old. <laughs> That's a horrible thing to think about. In my head, I've always thought, you know, I might go back to it one day, but actually I'm way past my best. I, pe- I basically peaked when I was 13 years old. That's, that's not good. Awful business. Anyway, yes, yeah, so that, yeah, this idea of, um, of uh, thinking like a startup. But I, I also, I think that you, I mean, I always, you know, I'm making a habit of saying, of course, you've done this as well, Mike. But I think it's true. I think that there must have been a point for you where you recorded your first podcast um and and you at that point you probably didn't think of it as a business no. but but this there's been a point where you you do you do treat it like a startup you do treat it like you're a business now i i think it's fair to say yeah and that kind of came um in about october when we set, actually set the network up and we collected them all together and started launching new shows and and bringing in old shows like this fantastic beast that we have here um yeah, I guess I do see it a lot more like a network these days, and I'm making uh, some decisions that I may not have made before, um, I may not even thought about, you know, because back then it was just just a bit of fun, where at the moment it is a bit of fun, but also something that, you know, I would like to spend my time doing and actually earn some money from. So I guess that makes it a business. It does. I don't think... Um... Yeah, I think that makes you a business. <laughs> but it's it's um it's it's a mindset, isn't it? It's kind of thinking yeah, exactly. what Yeah, even even if you you think right, this isn't in in your case, this isn't something that I can make uh that I, that is my full-time job now, but if I'm actually ever going to make it my full-time job, then I actually need to treat this really seriously and put mm-hmm. in the work to make it happen. Yeah. Just like I thought I would like to write a book and I would like to get it published or get an agent or whatever, whatever it might be. Um, there came a point where in order to make that happen, I had to sit down and treat it seriously and mm-hmm. make those sacrifices and actually really work hard. Oh, you know, or I, I, I did my master's, you know, I actually, I guess I've made that, made a financial investment as well. Um, thinking long term. Well, I guess it's about thinking long term, isn't it? Instead of short term too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've, you've got to, 
to be able to make that decision. But once you make that decision, it doesn't mean that next Wednesday everything's going to be going to come up roses, and, and there you'll be, and you'll be uh, a CEO of a, of a massive publishing company all on your own. It's not how it works, you know. Um, you kind of got to to accept that you want to make that decision, um, accept that you want to make it your thing that you do. Um, but and then you've got to start making, start putting in the real work. Then you know everything you'd done before. That was just when it was a hobby. But now it's something that's serious and adult. Absolutely, and of course, this is this is uh, all of this is hugely important. In fact, far more important for uh, writers, authors who choose to publish their work um, on their own. So I'm talking about this um, as as someone who's pursuing a traditional route. So I'm actually going to get a lot of these things done for me, all being well. Um, things like um, I don't know, just um, just getting the thing actually made, um, editing services, um, all the things you get with the with with having a publisher. People who are self-publishing, and there are many of those that listen to this podcast. I know um, this is all stuff that is is if you don't do them if you don't think like a business then you won't actually won't end up selling any copies you might not even get it made it's just kind of inherent inherent in uh in the idea of self-publishing i guess um you know and it, and it all indicates this huge shift in the publishing industry that's currently taking place it's um authors do have to think they you, you do have to think about um you know the what can often be uh, seem like an unpleasant word, but you have to think like a brand, or you have to mm-hmm. um, you have to constantly market yourself. You might have to have a Twitter account or a Facebook page that you perhaps don't really want. I mean, I've 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 openly said this. I, I've used social media, and I'm always you know I'm a I'm one of these losers who I'm a, who as soon as something comes out, I'll try it. Don't you worry about that. But I've said something like Twitter, which is something I've used regularly, daily for years. If I didn't have a website to promote and a potential writing career to um to uh to try and foster, then I probably I don't know if I would have a Twitter account. I don't know why I would need one. Hmm. What do you think? Take away seventy decibels, no podcast, you just you're just Mike. <laughs> um what would you have a Twitter account? Yeah. Well, I had one. I've had one since two thousand and seven. Mm. Um, what did you I, say? Um, I don't. This is the interesting thing. Like now, it is in that respect. It's like, well, there wasn't really anybody listening. Um, so I use. I, I guess I read more than I tweeted. Because, yeah. Yeah. I guess it, it was just lunch stuff, or I would say the opinion. I would, you know, I would have these opinions, like the same opinions I do about whatever it is, you know, whether it's the latest Samsung phone or something, but knew that really there was nobody reading it and anybody that was reading it didn't care because they were probably a real-life friend who thought that all that stuff was kind of useless. Yeah. Yeah, so it is quite interesting. When you think about it now, if I take away the um, small number, small handful of followers that I have, if you get rid of those that take me back to, to two years ago, it was very different, but yeah, I, I can see what you're saying. There is a lot less need to publish things outwardly, and to maybe more just to consume. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I am being a little bit facetious, I suppose, and a, a, and a bit extreme. I, I 
I, I would have a Twitter account. I'm sure I would because I'm a secret nerd at heart. Um, and I, I would, I guess I would use it for, you know, work things as in, as in my, you know, day job, career things, that kind of, you know, just stuff that I'm interested in. I probably would use it, but, um, I think it would be an entirely different thing. And I would probably do it in a different way. So, um, whilst my online persona, which everyone has, whether you like it or not, you can't entirely be yourself online. Um, um, and that's, you know, I think that's pretty much a, uh, an accepted fact. Um, but I, I, for instance, I wouldn't, I don't swear on the internet. Neither do I. Maybe the, maybe the every now and again. But oh, get me, get me offline, and I swear like a docker. Yeah, I'm, I'm horrendous. I, that's, that's not true. I'm extremely I polite. I, I do swear a lot in my, in my, especially at work. Um, because <laughs> it, it angers me. <laughs> Surely that doesn't make sense. You shouldn't be swearing at work. Uh, when, when, when you're the boss kind of people just have to take it. I see. Never in front of the public, you understand? No. No. I mean I, I don't I mean I don't swear any more than any anyone else does really. I'm a perfectly normal swearer. But um my point is that's not how I you know, I don't have any real need to swear on on the internet. I've never felt so angry at something that that minute it took me to uh, get to the point where I thought I would put it onto Twitter or or something like that, where I haven't thought actually I'd probably better not say what I really think because that's not it. Anyway, the, the point is all of that is a kind of an attitude and a, and a way of thinking that is to do with being a business and thinking about yourself as a brand and how you how you portray yourself and what you want how you want other people to see you. And the trick of, uh, of I mean, we've strayed into social media here, but mm. the trick of that kind of, that kind of thing is really to find a way of being yourself, but um, in a way that's kind of, um, in a way that you can control and that you're, you're happy, you know, you find a level where you're happy to share so much of yourself, but also, you know, keep a bit back and, and uh, without losing your, I don't know, personality or integrity or something. I think that might be another episode, but I'm, I'm wary that I say that so much that it might actually be uh, some sort of catchphrase that every, every time I try and talk about something, <laughs> I just I just put it off to another episode. That just means there's going to be lots of episodes. That's what that means. Indeed, indeed. Okay, I think we've kind of talked around that um, in some way or another. Um, and topic three, and I guess this is our final topic because uh, time's getting on. Um, it's, the iPad 3 is coming out next week, and it's rumoured that Office for iPad is going to be available for the first time. And um, I think on a, just, I don't know, you, I probably haven't shown you this, Mike, but I've got a, a what I call a technometer. Um, I can never work out how to pronounce it, whether it's technometer or technometer. Um, I need to get some sort of star guide established with that. Yeah. But on the uh, technometer, um you are more technical than I am. Right. By, okay. by I don't know, 50 points. <laughs> right, okay. So there's a little picture of me. I'm sort of, I've got a little football by my side just to show that I'm not a total geek. <laughs> and, you know, there's like a girl nearby, so I've sort of got a social <laughs> life. And um, I look happy and sort of content with things and sort of, you know, you can. Pro- I've probably got like I've got like a little. There's like a little. It's not a picture of me. It's just of a person, like a graphic. I've got a phone, and it's like a latest model because I'm obviously I'm up with it. I am sort of a little bit geeky, but I've got this other stuff going on, right. which um, which means that I'm quite cool as well. And then you're kind of fifty points above. And um, what 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 does that image 
Um, You're just sort of surrounded by computers, computers that you don't actually need. You've got sort of loads of, you've got more apps than anyone could really want or do anything with. And, um, and you're wearing a lab coat. No, you kind of you you're wearing you're wearing a t-shirt that you're wearing like a Ramones t-shirt, but you've never listened to the Ramones in your life. All <laughs> oh, right, okay. <laughs> and um, and uh, and uh, spectacles. I do wear spectacles. I know, so do I. I've nothing you have cool spectacles, all right? And I have. To yeah, might, might have got little footballs on the side just to again indicate my manliness. <laughs> and, and, and the arms are in the shapes of women's legs. Indeed. Now all of this. Leads me to say that you're going to introduce this piece about technology, about, about the iPad 3. <laughs> Tell us about the iPad 3. It's coming out next week. Is that right? Yes. So by this, by this time next week, so in our next episode, we will know and we may actually be speaking about it because we don't, you know, we don't know what the implications are going to be yet um, for what it could mean for the publishing world. I mean, we're expecting... A uh, what's called the Retina display. For anybody that doesn't know what that is, um, if you've seen the iPhone 4 or the 4S and you see how crisp the display is and it, everything looks really, really good and all the words are easy to read, that's called the Retina display that Apple created, um, which has many, many, many pixels in it. So it's nice and crisp, crisp and clear. They're hoping to bring that to the iPad, so it's going to make the iPad um, a much better reading device. Um, so the the screen will look more like a magazine's page than than anything else, um, which has the highest. It's called DPI. Don't ask me what that stands for. Um, Dots per inch. I'll go with that. We'll go with that. I don't know if that's right, but if that has gone right, I have just lost the girlfriend in this little picture and gone up ten points on the technometer. Yeah, I reckon that probably is right. That sounds right. I can't think of it being anything else. Um. So yeah, you've. So what are we just with footballs now? I've just got a football and just um and some of the other stuff that I mentioned earlier <laughs> <Okay>. on. <laughs> the cool trendy phone. So yeah, we're looking at the at the much better screen, which would be fantastic. Um but something that, that is, is likely to be announced. Now there's been lots of rumors surrounding this, um, which is to, that Microsoft Office is going to be coming to the iPad. Um, and Microsoft will be demoing it on Wednesday, so says the rumors. Um and some people have even claimed to have seen it. Now, I know that um, one of the places where Microsoft Office is still considered to be very important is in the publishing world. Would I be right in assuming this? Well, I don't know if it's considered to be important. I think it's more that that's what everyone uses. Therefore, unless everyone suddenly says, right, let's all use something different, then then it will continue that way for for some time, unfortunately. I can't so, uh, see it changing for a long time. And it's it's this is I mean it is the same with businesses. So we will we'll use word word at work. So I, most of the copy I write is is done in word, and that's partly because our clients that's what they that's what they'll have installed on their machines. Whether they're government governmental clients, retail doesn't matter. If they're in an office and they're in the UK, they've probably got Word installed, you know, or the Office Suite installed mm-hmm. um, uh, on their computer. So I think it's more a case of that's just what everyone uses. But I do think I do think things that have changed and, and are changing. And it's it's always difficult, isn't it, when you are kind of quite technically minded and when you are not just technically minded, but you know, when you use the internet on a regular basis and you actually think, Oh, I'll I'll look for other 
uh, writing applications or, or just you're just aware of what's going on technically in the world, yeah. then you kind of forget that actually most people um, are running Windows XP probably still unless they bought a new computer, um, excuse me, um, and with Microsoft Office installed. That's just normal. People think that that's what computers are. Um, you know, my, that's what my that's what my parents, for example, would would think that that's just what computers are. Microsoft Windows, Microsoft Office, Internet Explorer, and uh, things have changed hugely, especially in browser space. But for an awful lot of people, I still think that that's just what computers are. Um, you know, and a lot of writers aren't technically. This is the huge challenge for. It goes back to what we were saying about thinking like a startup. It's a huge challenge for writers. Is is this uh, new dawn where technology is going to play such a, a huge role? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not that long ago, writers could just write a novel, send it off, print it out, send it off, and then that was them kind of done. Um, so having this kind of awareness of of uh, different writing applications and different technology on uh with which to write is i think you know it's a very new thing and it's uh, it's only now that people are starting to really adopt it so the implications of there being a microsoft office for the ipad um are twofold really uh, it allows existing ipad users to have an application that they are then able to use to send documents to their publisher um while still working on them, working on them whilst on the go um, and the other is it may, in, uh, some people who may have been holding off because they couldn't write their manuscript or whatever because they didn't have Microsoft Office can now buy an iPad to do so. Which is very important stuff, especially, I mean, and, and, and you know, this probably is more important for Microsoft than Apple. Microsoft will probably get a bigger chunk of change out of this than Apple will. Um, but it is, you know, if we're looking at making the iPad a computer in its own right, then this is something that it could potentially need. Yes, but I think that this, I think this is big news, less for the publishing industry and more for business um, and and um, and big business as well. Actually, I think that the reason Apple should go for this and have Office on on an iPad is because it will help them sell millions more enterprise uh, style well it won't be an enterprise version of the iPad but it will be they will sell it to businesses basically yeah um just as a uh, just a, as an example we've um at work part of what we what we do is build um sort of um like learning applications and, and videos and things like that educational things mm-hmm. and um and we we use flash to do that because it's kind of an, an appropriate medium for that kind of that kind of thing it's good in, in a really good interactive way for kids to to learn and, and and view video and things like that but um we've our ipads um we obviously we can't run flash on them so um our Project managers and account managers would would obviously not would not be able to then showcase our work if they were showing it to a new you know a new client or an existing client even we can't just pull out the iPad on the go and say hey look at this what we've done um, and so that was a, a bit of a like that I mean it's a different issue but it is a, a similar kind of thing so they they also it was always kind of kind of with 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 um, text documents and spreadsheets and all that kind of thing it's been not impossible but a, a little more difficult to to do the same kind of thing to be able to use those things on the go 
Um, and I think for businesses um, um, having the ability to and hope, uh, presumably sync files that are on their machine at the office and then take them to a meeting with a client and go through the same documents on a tablet on the iPad, um, that's where I think that uh, Apple will sell millions more because of it. And, of course, Microsoft will do well out of it too because this bad boy is not going to be free. No. I mean, there are options to to view these files, but the familiarity isn't there. You know, it's just, it's like, you know, it might be uh, Quick Office or um, Office to Go. They're the applications that you can use to view these files. But, you know, they probably won't look as polished um, as this application would likely look. Um, and also, as I said, the familiarity, the brand name of Office um, will speak to some people. And, you know, some people might search for Microsoft's Office, get Office to go shown to them, and they're like, well, no, that's not what I'm looking for. So then they'll just ignore that. You know, and that is that is a real thing, and, and that, that is going to be something that will... will will work in Microsoft's favor for this. It's entirely about trust. You, you're completely right. I mean, Office to Go, what an awful name that is. What sort of right-thinking business um, uh, with millions of pounds being exchanged and all laid out on spreadsheets, whatever it might be, is going to use an application called Office to Go? Yeah. It's like, you know, it doesn't toys. sound professional enough, does it? It sounds ridiculous, whereas Microsoft Word, for what, whatever you may think of it, Microsoft Office, Microsoft whatever, it has the Microsoft in front of it. It's a trusted brand. It's, and, and not only that, it's what people use. Um, can I send you a, a Word document? You know, people, no, one, no one says, no, people very rarely say, can I send you through, uh, or have you sent that Word document? They say, have you sent the document? Everyone knows that it's Word. So the fact that, you know, that this is, this is going to be available on tablets, I think is, I keep saying tablets like there's loads of them <laughs> on the iPad. Um, then um, I think it's I think it is a huge deal. It's not that big a deal for me personally. I've been I have changed my my writing habits quite a lot. Um, I actually wrote A.S. Frangelic in my novel on on inward um, different chapter, uh, sorry, different document for every chapter. Uh, then at some point I threw it all into one big document. It was just an, a nightmare, but that's what I did back then. This was a few years ago. There was. You know, the idea of sync, that wasn't really very reliable either. So um, I just had one set of documents and that was it. But but now as I go into this period of writing my second novel, I'm looking at using, in fact, I wrote about this on the blog, but I'm using Scrivener, which is um, great. Um, and I'm using the sync feature on that. So I have lots of files within Scrivener where I can organize and move them around easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I then use the sync feature with uh, an application called Plain Text um, for the iPad. And if I want to edit anything on my iPad, which I don't do a lot, but I do do sometimes, um, then I can do that, and those files will automatically automatically be updated, and and um, and I go back to my computer, and it's it's all there in Scrivener again. So I, in fact, actually, I can use I can use any application I want. I don't have to use Scrivener because the files are being synced. I can use any app. Um, I definitely won't be using Word. Um, but like I say, I, a lot of people, it's such a trusted name, trusted brand, that a lot of people will be uh, delighted about this. And it's probably what they've been waiting for. It could even be the reason they've held off 
not buying an iPad until now just so that they could have this. Because like I say, for a lot of people, a lot of people, Microsoft Office is is computers. That's what could be in, that's what a computer is. It's those that's what it does. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm sure we'll have something to say on this next week. Yeah, it'll be interesting to find out, and I'll, I'll look. I'll look forward to finding out as well about the how the Retina display affects the reading experience on the iPad because I think, you know, it can be as it can be as Retina as it likes, but I think it will struggle to beat uh, the Kindle just for sheer plain actual reading experience. But um, we'll see. Time we'll see. Time. We'll see what they come up with. Right then, Mr. Broom. Indeed. If people want to, to reach you when they are surfing the internet on their tablet machine, where can they do that? Uh, they can reach out to at Ian Broom on Twitter, and I'll be there. That's I-A-I-N-B-R-O-O-M-E. Um, or you can uh, go to writeforyourlife.net, which is the blog of the podcast. Or is this the podcast of the blog? Who knows anymore? Who it's knows? all, blend, it's all blending into one. It is. Um, and you can you can still listen to me on Audioboo. I'm still doing these daily updates on Audioboo. It's just the material on there. It's just terrific. Honestly, it's really it's well great. thought out. <laughs> I enjoy them. Thanks, Mike. Oh, Thank I, you. I listen if nobody else does. Yeah. Just try and ignore the amount of plays that each episode is getting in the left-hand side of the screen. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm there, and I'm doing my thing, audioboo.fm forward slash in broom. Feel free to follow and tell people about it. Excellent. What about you? Where the heck can we find you? you I would say uh, go find me on Twitter. I'm at imyke, I-M-Y-K-E. Um, and the, the more followers I get, the higher up the uh, technometer I, I rise. Absolutely. Which is important to me. I it is more, important. More technometer points. How's that, how's that book coming on? It's doing okay. Um, I wrote another thousand words this week. And how did you find that experience? I enjoyed it. I'm going to pu- I'm going to publicly harass you. That's fine. I about like this. That. No, that's good. Like everyone's wait. Everyone's waiting for it. Honestly, I've got. I've had. There's been. I've had people ring me at my home. I don't know where they've got my number from, and they just keep saying, "Where is? Where can I get this book from, Mike? I've heard about it, and I, I can't wait." They keep saying, "I say you're, you've got to wait. It's not <laughs> finished yet." And um, and so I, you know, I, I feel like I need to uh, hurry you along, get cracking. Thank you. I, I like I like to be pushed because I get guilty. I feel guilty. I won't lie to you, Ian. I'll tell you that. I'm not going to lie to you. If I haven't written anything, I'm just going to tell you I haven't written anything. Well, guilt it, guilt plays a huge role in the writing process. It's yeah. uh, something I've talked about before. Guilt is awful. <laughs> yeah. Feeling feeling guilty about not writing is something that I do all the time. You have to learn to live with the fact that you can't write all the time. But also guilt is an incredibly good motivating factor. Often it's what actually forces you to get things finished because you feel so terrible about not having done them and not having done it basically. It's even worse when it's all in public. Indeed. A little guilt by the way, that's you know that's a sign that you're treating your writing like a startup as well, not just your podcasting. Indeed. Indeed. <sighs> So, until next week, sir. Until next week, indeed. Farewell. Farewell, dear maiden. Enjoy yourself. Bye-bye.